Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Out of Office, the podcast about life and leadership. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. First of all, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, I hope you're healthy and well. Like many of you, I'm working from home these days, and my guest today is doing the same. Meetings can happen back to back. You only need a one or two minute uh, break between meetings. Uh, you can do them wearing pajamas. I'm not spending, I'm saving a lot of time. Meet Ankiti Bose, the co-founder of global fashion technology startup Zilingo, a near-billion-dollar company whose fundamental role is to connect suppliers and buyers across the world. I first met Ankiti when I interviewed her on stage at Bloomberg's Sooner Than You Think Technology Summit in Singapore last year. After that, I recorded an out-of-office conversation with her, which is a freewheeling and informal chat in which we ask newsmakers things that typically don't come up when they're on stage or in the office. Their mentors, first jobs, favorite book, high points, setbacks, downtime, family, faith and love. Because these influences define how they lead. With Ankiti, we talked about her journey as a tech entrepreneur who's young, a woman, and a young woman of color. And uh, and I have been asked, uh, you know, are you serious about this? Where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Uh, what happens when you get married? How do you think about bringing up a family? I'll bring you more of that conversation in a moment. But before that, I wanted to ask Ankiti how she's steering Zelengo through the current pandemic. So I reached out to her again. Ankiti, welcome back to Out of Office. Now, Ankiti, you join us from Singapore, which has mandated the closure of non-essential businesses. How are you doing? Not just our headquarters, which is based in Singapore, which is now uh, obviously under lockdown, uh, but we have offices in India, Thailand, uh, U.S. amongst other countries, which all went into lockdown a little bit sooner. And our Singapore HQ has now been working from home for over three weeks. Uh, so we're settling in okay. We're getting used to communicating uh, oh, much more over Slack and WhatsApp and doing Zoom calls one after the other. Um, uh, and uh, we we're settling in okay. Now, you said on your Instagram feed... Over the last few days, we've been working hard on how we at Zilingo could step up and help our fearless healthcare professionals fight COVID-19. So I'm curious, how are you doing that? 
So, uh, Malika, like you said uh, in the beginning, you know, our core business, which was uh, fashion um, or rather, uh, you know, um, clothes that most people buy as a part of discretionary spends, fall into a non-essential category. Mm-hmm. And we agree, right, which is that uh, uh, fundamentally neither us nor our employees nor the delivery personnel nor the shoppers should risk their lives in present circumstances uh, to buy clothes because um, the same infrastructure should be used to deliver something which is much more essential right now, which, you know, for some companies, it might mean uh, essentials like FMCG and food. Uh, In our case, because we are primarily in the fabric and textile supply chain, we thought that we should refocus at this time and focus uh, instead of uh, finished apparel or fashion, we should see how we can use all of our infrastructure to help uh, bridge the demand and supply gap of PPE, right? So uh, much of much of PPE is actually related to fabric, whether it's masks or, you know, um, isolation gowns, coveralls. Uh, boot covers, face shield, goggles, basically products that are needed um, less by civilians, much more by healthcare workers. So we thought that we should refocus all our energies on, uh, you know, perhaps playing a small part in, um, in, in supplying the world with more of what is needed right now than trying to make them buy clothes in these difficult times, which frankly uh, wouldn't be the right thing to do. Oh, no, I absolutely applaud your initiative. And PPE, you mean personal protective equipment. So we're talking about face masks and surgical masks and gloves, uh, gowns, things like that. Exactly. Yes. And are you going to be manufacturing these or are you sourcing them from other uh, people or other smaller companies and businesses that are making them? What's the process? Uh, Yeah, so, um, you know, this goes back to fundamentally what Zilingo does uh, and does best, which is connect suppliers and uh, buyers across the world. Today, many countries are in lockdown. Some countries are in a position to supply and export PPE. Uh, The countries that need it are likely not in a position to manufacture it themselves in the quantities that they need it. So we are, again, simply playing the role of a platform that is aggregating the suppliers on one end and aggregating the buyers on the other end, facilitating and making sure that both the parties are able to check for certifications and logistics processes and uh, aiding um, that uh, transaction and transfer between the two parties, which is really uh, which is really what we do, uh, which is our bread and butter and our core mm-hmm. business, except we are trying to do that for, for something, for a sector that right now uh, has an extreme need for somebody who can do the demand and supply matching. And overall, how has the current pandemic uh, affected Zilingo? For example, are all your employees working from home? But I also know you have a really vast network of suppliers, of manufacturers, of small businesses, even people in markets, in various markets in Asia who supply to you and use you as a platform to get their products out. What is the impact on all these people who make up the Zilingo universe? The the COVID-19 pandemic has uh, hit discretionary categories extremely hard, right? Um, Most of these people uh, can't go to work. But even if they did, they would have a huge problem, which is that demand has collapsed for most of them. 
nobody is buying uh, discretionary items as they shouldn't and they should focus on essentials right now but what happens as a result of that is you know when people aren't traveling people aren't shopping for their summer travels people aren't um, going out and spending money uh, the impact on the small businesses that actually manufacture for those people is that there is very little work there is a collapse in consumption so um, in order to support that of course i think the first uh, a uh, most important thing that's happening is that all the governments are intervening right so governments are intervening uh, for small businesses you know in terms of uh, uh, daily wages and supporting them or in terms of moratoriums on loan payments and so on and so forth but um, but i think that uh, to the extent that they depend on us we are trying to help them as much as possible to keep uh, to to keep making sure that we are giving them the right advice you know when is the time to completely shut shop versus uh, you know pause things for 90 days versus when is the time to repurpose their facility to do something that people have an immediate need for like uh, you know coveralls or gloves or masks uh, if if we can help them get the certifications on time so uh, it's a it's definitely not a one size fits all answer for anyone and we are actually working almost twice as hard uh 24 hours a day including weekends right now to make sure that we can help the businesses on our platform uh make the right set of decisions because it's really about uh it's really about how we help them survive the next 90 to 180 days and then we'll take it from there and we'll help them build their businesses up and thrive from that point there's a saying that i really like that um that reinforcements will arrive in the morning for the soldiers who survived the night so i think uh, right now the the focus both from a healthcare and a financial perspective is to make sure that we can help the smes and businesses that and the people that depend on us to just uh, you know make it through the the pandemic and its economic uh, uh, repercussions it's a stressful time as you said you know i mean of course it's a challenging time for small businesses smes it's a challenging time for you working from home for all of us how are you staying positive so um i think uh, the most important thing is that um every morning with more regularity than when i actually go physically into office we're doing stand ups um i am seeing the faces of most of my team leaders every morning and uh, you know we're doing a uh, we're doing a 9 am and then we're doing an 11 pm uh, stand up every day including weekends uh there is we are i think uh, driven by a sense of purpose now that we are refocusing all of our infrastructure to do something that is uh, both time sensitive and really matters a lot can make a huge difference in this fight against covid um you know by just being able to produce masks and uh, you know that's giving us a huge 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 sense of purpose uh, uh i'm waking up with uh, uh, the the feeling that you know if i have if i can do my job well maybe we will save one more life and and even that's a very good reason uh, to stay motivated and stay on track uh, my best friend uh, i don't know if she'll get to hear this but she is a she's a doctor in uh, literally on the front lines of this in the US and uh, she mm-hmm. before we started uh, this huge refocus of of everything uh, at Zilingo to help uh, PPE manufacturing she called me and she cried and she said i am really scared for the first time in my life i am really scared uh, to go out there and save patients but obviously i will still do it that is what i'm 
uh, meant to do as a doctor and that is my oath but I'm really scared because I have like she said I think something like she had nine days more of uh, protective gear wow that was it there's such a severe shortage there's such a severe shortage and then you know now it's at the point where we are one degree of separation away from somebody that's affected directly all of us so that's I, I'm, I'm staying positive or rather I'm staying motivated because I think uh, you know we all have a role to play in this right now Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more with extensive experience in underwriting risk engineering services and claims the hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative customizable solutions and service that your industry that your business demands at the hartford we don't just talk about specialization we live it learn how the hartford can help your business at thehartford.com That was Ankiti explaining how she is using Zilingo's existing infrastructure and network to try and meet the massive demand for face masks, gloves and gowns around the world. And now I'll take you back to the conversation I recorded with her before COVID-19 broke out. This part focuses on Ankiti's personal story and it's a really inspiring one. Here it is. Some women entrepreneurs really bristle at being called a woman entrepreneur. They'd rather just be called an entrepreneur. Right. But you're not one of those. You're quite happy to wear the label of yeah. a woman entrepreneur. Why? And I I don't blame other women for ever saying anything. They can say whatever they want. Mm. But I think that the fact is that it is not a level playing field. It is uh, definitely hard to be any type of minority in any situation, which means that if you're a person of color in a largely Caucasian industry, or you're a woman in an industry dominated by men, if you're a man in an industry dominated by women, if there is such a thing, um, it is difficult. And when we talk about tech startups and we, when we talk about billion-dollar companies in general across industries, we don't see a lot of women. We don't see too many people of color. mostly men if we do um so when when you don't see people that look like you you don't have role models you don't know how you should behave it's already a huge disadvantage you don't feel like you're part of the club you may not get all the mentorship that you need you may not have all the tools available to you that maybe some others have access to which i think is a huge disadvantage and um and you have to work extra extra hard to be taken seriously you have to work extra hard to be undeniably good at what you do so that you can overcome it and uh, and th- there is nothing wrong with that the world is changing and we all have to um, you know invest in changing it uh, and there's no point in complaining about it so I'm not complaining but all I'm saying is that it's not a level playing field and we should call it interesting do you have any specific 
anecdotes or specific moments when you thought to yourself, you know what, I think this might be happening because I am young, I'm a woman and I'm a young woman of color? Definitely. Right. Um, when uh, I, I often joke with my, uh, you know, with my investors and my, my team that uh, I didn't become genderless until the company was worth half a billion dollars. And that's in my head. That's the number. Right. I'm like, after half a billion dollars, people started to listen to me before they looked at me. Uh, so before that, that, you're a young woman trying to get her company right. off the ground. That's right. And uh, and there are a lot of biases against young women who are just trying to get their company off the ground, right? Um, sure. Is she ambitious enough? Is this going to really land? Um, so one, one investor once told me when I was starting up, before I had any money or anything, that he would never invest in my company um, or in me because he just said, I don't see it. And I actually thought that came from a place steeped in a lot of bias, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you were asked, thinking you don't see it or you don't see me. That's right. Exactly. Right? That's what I was thinking. And uh, and I have been asked, uh, you know, are you serious about this? Where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Uh, what happens when you get married? How do you think about bringing up a family? I have literally Someone never, actually asked you that? Yeah, like yeah. what happens when you get married? Yeah. Uh, somebody once told me, a guy uh, asked you that. Yeah, yeah all, all men. All of these are men. Um, one uh, very senior banker once told me that, oh, when you walked in, um, I actually thought you could model the clothes. Oh my God. I didn't realize you were the CEO. I was very young. The company was very small. Uh, we had no profile whatsoever, but it does not excuse that kind of behavior. And you just think about that 24-year-old girl who went back home thinking, is there something wrong with the way I look and with who I am? Should I be apologetic for it? And uh, It makes you doubt yourself. Yeah, it makes you doubt When you're yourself. that young, you know, now exactly. you have the vocabulary to call it out and say that yeah. was just blatantly wrong. Yes. But when you're 24 years old, yeah, it can, I've been it mistaken can be mistaken for the unsettling. assistant. I have been not spoken to in vendor meetings when like a male colleague who would report to me was sitting next to me. They assumed he was the superior. All of that has happened, so it's a, it's it's definitely not a level playing field, is what I'm saying. It's going to take a lot to change it. And your co-founder is yes. a guy. Yes. So how does that dynamic work when the both of you go into meetings together? Yeah. Or you know how have, how has that worked out that so, partnership? So somehow I think uh, Drew, my co-founder, is, is perhaps one of the most feminist men I know, and I think <laughs> that, and, and I think that's what I attract is my. My COO and uh, you know other founding team members, also a guy. Um, they are both uh, my closest friends and uh, and biggest supporters. There have been moments before that where you know I've had a massive downer and I've gone to them and said, "Do you think this guy didn't take us seriously or didn't give us the money because I'm a woman?" And to their credit, um, they. They have said, you know what? I think that guy was sexist. I think that guy was unfair. So they could recognize that. They could recognize that, but they always stood up for me, and they never said, maybe we should be the face, or maybe we come with you to these meetings. They said, no, we will be there. We will not say a word. If you need us there, we will be there. But you need to do what you need to do. And um, so again, it shows the importance of having male, male allies. allies. Absolutely. I, I don't think, you know, any minority and especially women can really change anything unless the people that are in the position of power want to change it. Or if you don't talk about women, people of color and LGBTQ, you're actually missing out on representing a large base of consumers and you're, you're going, going to make wrong business decisions if it's made by a bunch of old white men. 
You're, you're very vocal about your journey and yeah. the challenges you've had. And it's really refreshing to hear you talk about it so candidly. What are you hoping other young women who might also be dreaming of creating a billion dollar startup, you know, what do yeah. you want them to take away from your story? I think um, the first thing is to accept that maybe, um, you know, the cards are stacked a little bit against you, which means that you have to still maybe work uh, a little bit harder in proving that you're actually really very good at what you do, right? Um, and um, especially if it's an industry where people are not used to seeing women, and fashion is not one of them, but mm -hmm. maybe, you know, if it's in finance or uh, deep tech uh, and so on, uh, which means that which means that you have to be, we have to work extra hard to mm -hmm. be uh, taken extremely seriously and, 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 you know, you need people to know that you are, you are good at what you do. So uh, definitely do that. Don't be apologetic about who you are and uh, I think um, one thing that I see most often uh, when I coach young women now uh, inside and outside Zlingo is uh, you know they they are so smart they are so um, uh, ambitious but they are less confident because you know the way we've been nurtured is that Men think they can do the job when they're 60% there. Women wait till they're 110% there to be sure that they can do it. And that's just, it's not our fault, right? That's how we've been conditioned. That's how we've been nurtured. And I want them to know that they just have to be confident now and just go ask for uh, what they think they want and they deserve. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing, the way you were nurtured. So I am an only child. Uh, I traveled uh, around a lot as a kid. And then in the last seven years, I've lived in... Jakarta, Bangkok, Singapore, yeah. Bangalore, and Bombay. So, <laughs> wow. uh, so I've yeah. been around the place. Um, so lots of different schools. That's right. Lots of different schools. Lots of different friends. Lots of different languages, food, countries. Um, my uh, my mom stayed at home um, uh, after I was born to make sure that um, you know. I think I, mainly that I had company <laughs> sure. because we you were, were traveling so much. And and yeah, there was so yeah. much change in my life. Uh, and she's been a major, major influence um, on, I think, the way that I think about life. How so? Um, I think, uh, I think the uh, complete abandon with which, you know, my parents taught me to dream. Um, a lot of it actually comes from my mother. She's a complete dreamer. She's an artist. She writes. Uh, she's very poetic. Uh, so I think, um, I think somewhere that uh, anything is possible. Right? What can possibly be wrong? I'm a pathological optimist, and I think that comes from uh, my mom. I don't think you were a little girl who said, "I want to grow up to Not be, <laughs> to be, uh, you know, the head of uh, the founder of a billion-dollar startup." That would have been a little bit presumptuous <laughs> and a little bit early. So, you yeah. know, what what did you think? I mean, has your own journey surprised you? Oh, definitely. I wanted to be a singer for the longest time. A singer? Right? Yeah. So I was actually, I was... Uh, so you sing. You're a singer. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to sing. Uh, right. I, I've performed on stage as a little one, little child. Um, oh, amazing. And I was completely into the arts. And, uh, and then as I grew up, I realized that actually my best subject was math. Uh, so, so I well, both um, sides of the brain, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually think math and art is is deeply connected, and that's a whole long other conversation we can have. Um, so then I decided to study uh, math and economics, um, and uh, and I think even then, and then then you know my first job was as management consultant at McKinsey, 
I loved it um, because, you know, just just the, the range of problem solving that you can do at a place like McKinsey and, you know, shift sure. context and learn so much. Everybody's so smart around you um, is phenomenal. Then I moved to Sequoia Capital, which was, again, I mean, I think of it as a very artistic job. You're meeting founders. You're trying to see what their vision is of the world, uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now. So I loved it. And, and I think um, a big uh, part of or who I am as a founder today from a creativity perspective. All of those experiences have, have shaped that. Um, and I'm, 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 I think of it as a very creative job. So to go from McKinsey to Sequoia and then take a jump to becoming an entrepreneur, what went through your mind? Because, I mean, McKinsey, Sequoia, they're, they're stable jobs. Yes. They're highly <laughs> coveted jobs. That's right. You know, uh, to give that up, to yeah. take a risk. I think You've got to be pretty gutsy. <laughs> I did not overthink it. I think I think that helped. It's probably the best way. <laughs> the best way to do it. Just took the yeah. plunge. Uh, no, but I mean, uh, look, I you know, I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up with any uh, sort of entitlement or you know really anything. Um, so to get a job at McKinsey was a huge deal. And then move of to course, capital, it's a big deal. It's a big brand. To, you know, perhaps yeah. one of the best venture capital yeah. funds in the world was a big deal um, and and typically you know uh, for for young people that go to McKinsey and then you know in investing you know you're considering an MBA you want to go sure. to Harvard and so on and so forth yeah. um, but what happened to me was that um, you know while I was in in VC and I was uh, Southeast Asia was well you know five years ago there weren't any unicorns and there was really nothing um, but I met I remember I met uh, many founders, um, many of whom are extreme, doing extremely, extremely well now. And uh, seeing that journey, uh, I remember going to my, my then boss and um, now investor and saying uh, that, listen, I, I need to quit and I need to move to Southeast Asia because I really think that something big is about to happen. He said, OK, go for it. And, and good luck. And, and good luck. And, you know, uh, we'll be there for That's you. That's fantastic. And uh, it's, it's one of the most, I think, I think, you know, what we said about having male allies and yeah. good mentors. I think every single, at every single step, making that um, shift, you know, yeah. um, into the next orbit would have been impossible for me without all of these people. So like you do a lot of uh, mentoring, you said, right? Are you doing that? Is that your way of paying it forward? At Zlingo, we have... Um, you know, over 50% of the company is female. We have a lot of uh, women leaders uh, in the company. So what we've started doing is creating sort of informal um, circles uh, where, you know, sometimes it's over wine, sometimes it's nice. just a casual conversation. And we're talking about um, dealing with different types of challenges. For example, uh, it seems like a small thing, but to, in my mind, it's a huge thing. Is the body language and the space that women occupy in important meetings with important mm. men? And what you'll notice is many times women uh, shrink to the corner of the room and don't speak up as much, or are worried that they'll be perceived as too aggressive if they do. And uh, you know what really is the right forum to bring that up and you know tell a young woman that listen, I, I saw you do that in a meeting room. Uh, don't do that. Last question. The name Zilingo. Yes. How did that come about? What um, does it mean? What does it stand for? So it's, it, it's a play on the word zillion, right. uh, which is like, you know, million, billion, zillion, gazillion. <laughs> uh, so when we started, uh, I remember standing in the middle of Charter Chart Market in, in, in Bangkok. And you cannot see the end of it from any direction when you stand in the middle of it. It's, like, it's huge. 
and um, uh, you know, and that's how we thought about the opportunity. And actually, I wanted to call the company Zillion, um, but you know, as we played around with the word and we spoke to consumers and merchants, uh, you know, we arrived on the word Zillingo. But it's just it literally means that the opportunity is infinite. And the cash, maybe in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you good luck as you change the so much, Monica. <laughs> Great, thank you. Thank you. That was Zilingo's Ankiti Bose joining me on Out of Office. I hope you enjoyed our chat. And remember, you can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Bloomberg Terminal, or our website, Bloomberg.com. We're also on Twitter. Our handle is simply at podcasts. We'd love it if you could take a minute to rate and review our show. So please do that if you can. And I do hope you'll join us again for more candid, informal conversations with newsmakers. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. I'm Malika Kapoor. You can find me at This Is Malika on Twitter. Thank you for listening and stay well. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.